second conversion. Luke 22 and 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. This is, this is Peter who's been walking with Jesus for three years. Three years. Three years every day walking with Jesus. Three years. And now Satan wants to take me out? Yeah, that's how it works. Satan waits to see if you're serious before he messes with you. Some of y'all don't have attacks from the devil because you're not serious. He doesn't have to attack some of y'all. You're not, all, you're not wanting to do anything. But when you start to get serious and you start having a little bit of threat on you and you start acting like you're going to do something with your walk with God, the devil gets scared of you. And he asks permission to attack you. Now this sounds like Job, doesn't it? This sounds like Job, doesn't it? You see, his old tricks, he's still using them right now. And he's trying to pick people out that have a calling and a ministry and you've got potential and he's coming for you and you don't know you need a second conversion. You don't know that this is about to be the toughest moment of your life. And you think that you're immune from it because you walk with the Lord every day, but you're not immune from it. Because you can walk with God every day for three years, you can sleep in the same house with him, and he will let the devil attack you. He asked permission. He said, I want, I want to take him out. I'm going to go after him, just like Job. I can hear it right now. You think he really loves you? Let me affect him. I can hear it right now. I can hear how the devil talks. He don't really care about you. He's just here for a position. Let me strip things away and see if he's really faithful. Pay attention, please, today. This is very important. This is where many people are at. Many faithful believers are here right now. We're under spiritual attack. But before tonight, we're going to get victory this morning. Look what he said in verse 32. But I have, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, the King James Version says it a little bit, little bit differently there. King James Version uh, actually says that when you are converted. Converted? I thought he was already converted. No, when you're converted, which means when you come back. When you come back. That's speaking of faith. Strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Because he could not fathom that he would ever struggle. After everything he's seen and known, he thought he would never happen to him, just like we do. We think we've had too much church. We know too much. We would never struggle. And that pride that can't just stay low and humble and understand we're under attack no matter how close to God we get. That pride that says I don't have to put my guard up is, is what's hurting him badly right now. And then he has to get very clear in verse 34. He says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you even know me. What a mind-boggling moment for Peter who says he's ready to go die. You don't know what you're ready to do until you're faced with it. We, we shout and we run aisles and we say, I'm here for you, Lord, and until, until, until you lose the job, until they cheat on you, until somebody talks about you, 
until the pastor makes a mistake. I'm good until. And you don't even know that you're not really ready yet, but you're going to be. After this next conversion, you're going to be. After you endure this season you're in right now, you'll never have to face it again, church. When you just go ahead and realize that he's trying to stop you before you become your full potential. This is his last chance to get you. And God is letting it happen. Not to hurt you, because you've been prophesied over. You will come back. Somebody say, I will come back. I will be okay. It may look like there's no hope, but you will be okay. Because he said he's prayed for my faith. He's prayed for your faith. And if you keep your faith, you're going to be all right. So I want to talk to you today about your second conversion. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated today. Luke chapter 22 has a lot of good information in it. It actually starts with a plan to kill Jesus. Um, Very serious times in the Bible. Satan enters Judas's heart and he partners with the chief priests of the day to betray Jesus at perfect timing. Jesus then honors the Passover meal with his 12 disciples and they meet in an upper room and Jesus explained that this was the last meal that they would share together before he would suffer. Jesus explains the symbolism of the bread being his body broken for them and the wine, the grape juice that has been poured out like blood for them. And then he goes on to explain that one of them in the room will betray him. And as they began to debate who would betray Jesus, they also began to argue over which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus explained that the one who serves the most will be considered the greatest in the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about serving tonight. Please, I hope everybody is going to be here tonight. If you're a member of the church, you need to be here tonight. It's very, very important, not just for the fun. You can leave after church if you want to. Let's come for church because we're going to talk about that serving. We have to serve. We're servants. And because they have continued with him in his trials, they would get to sit on 12 thrones one day, and they would be able to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Then we get to the text that I just read to you where Jesus reveals to Simon Peter, warning him that Satan, similar to Job, has asked permission to attack Peter and sift him like wheat, to harvest him, to own him, to take over his soul. But Jesus responds, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And I find, I find it interesting that Jesus did not pray for Satan to stop. I find it interesting that Jesus did not say, well, I rebuke you. Get out of here, devil. I mean, earlier he said, get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter. He told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Do you know why? Because Peter was trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. And anything that tries to stop your purpose is satanic. Anything 
that tries to stop you from doing the will of God is satanic. Anybody in your life trying to stop you from doing the will of God is being used by satanic voices. And you got to speak to that spirit that's oftentimes attacking your closest allies, trying to talk you out of doing God's will. Because that's what we do. We try to help people by not helping people. We tell them good things, logical things. But this is not logical. Love is not logical. The cross is not logical. It's holy. It's spiritual. It does not make sense. And that's why you can't judge it by how you feel about it. It's just right. And I'm going to do it because it's right. Peter's sitting here saying, don't go. Be it far from you, Lord, that you would die on a cross. No, you won't die. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. But now Satan's attacking Peter, and he's like, I'm not going to stop him. In fact, he asked for permission, and the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pray that you endure it. And I thought that was interesting. But I I like the fact that, that Satan can only go as far As Jesus lets him go. Jesus didn't pray for Satan to stop because Satan was given a limit. Just like with Job. There's only so much he can do to you. You hear that? You may be under attack right now and you may even know it's the devil. But listen to this. There's only so much the devil can do to you. You can know he's there and still keep your faith. You can know he's whispering and fear not in the darkness. Just because the devil's attacking you doesn't mean he gets to kill you. He does not get to go very far. He doesn't get to take you all the way down. He just gets to do enough to make you be able to strengthen your brethren. I'm not afraid of the devil because God uses them. He's a tool in the hands of God. When you're under satanic attack and Jesus has written off on it and given permission, it's simply because God's got more for your ministry. God's got more for your anointing. God's got a day of Pentecost for you to preach. And fear not when the devil comes knocking on your door. It's a compliment because something good is going on in your walk with God. Something big is happening. It's not It's not because something's wrong. It's because something's right. It's because you're chosen. It's because you're called out. It's because God's hand is on you and you're highly favored of God he will not let the devil go very far oh that encourages me that encourage when I'm under attack it's good to know he can only do so much that's how this that's biblical that's consistent in scripture Satan doesn't have all the authority and all the power and I like it listen to this Satan rebelled against God Because he wanted to be independent. I want to be free. All these guidelines and like I got to show up to worship every day and play instruments for God. And I just want to do what I want to do. I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to go against the master of all there ever was and do what I want to do. That's foolish right there. I'm sorry. You're not God and neither am I. Neither is the devil. It doesn't matter what I want to do. I'm not in charge. (laughs) Nothing you do will make you in charge. Even the devil who rebelled against God and wanted to become independent still has to go ask God 
or permission. And there right there is the lie of the devil. If you could just get away from God, you could do what you want. No, you can't. Y'all, this is, this is an awesome revelation in the scripture that he said, I want to get away from you so I can do what I want. But now you got to come back to him just to do what you. There is no such thing as independent and happy. There's no such thing as independent and free. There's no such thing as independent and powerful. There's no such thing as I'm going to get away from God and have a better life. There's no such thing as that. Even if you get away from God, you've got to come back to God to have authority. You can't touch anybody without God's permission. What kind of life is that? He said, I'm tired of all this authority in my life. And here he is. Hey, uh, God, you know, I, I left you, but I, I need your help. <laughs> I can't do anything without you. And we, we have the spirit that, that's whispering to people all over the world that says, be your own boss. Don't let nobody tell you what to do. Aren't you tired of always having to go along with the flow? Of God's will, you can't escape God's will. You can't escape God's power and authority and majesty. Choose to leave Him, you still need Him. Boy, that frustrates us right there. We hate the fact that we can't just do what we want. And this is why, church family, I just stay on God's side. Either way, I'm going to have to talk to Him, I might as well be on the good side. Either way, i got to get permission. I might as well stay on his good side. Either way, I've got to go back to him whenever I've claimed independence and ask for his help when I need permission to do something. So I might as well escape the pit of hell. I might as well live in blessing and bliss. I might as well have joy unspeakable and full of glory. If I've got to go ahead and submit either way, I might as well stay in heaven. I'm going to expose the devil's lie. He's lying to people in the church. I'm going to expose his lies and say, go ahead and get out from underneath authority. You can't. I don't have to go to hell because I told God I didn't want to. I'm no longer part of his kingdom. So I don't want to go to hell. It's my choice. No, it's not. You can't stop it. You have no authority. Oh, you're, you're, so, you're so prideful if you think that you're bigger than God. Who do you think you are? Look in the mirror and have a reality check. You're just human. There is no contender with God. There is no one that he said, I looked to my left, I looked to my right, I found no one like me. There is no one as great as him, no one on his level, no one with his power. What are you doing listening to the voice of the devil telling you life will be better away from God? You still have to ask permission from him. It's a lie. Somebody say it's a lie. Either way, no matter what you think about God, if you backslide and leave church and you never come back, God's still in charge. 
You don't have to come to church. God's still in charge. You can denounce him. You can become atheist. He's still in charge. You still can't do a thing to anybody unless God says you can. It doesn't matter what you think about him. He's still on the throne. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I said every knee. I said every tongue. It doesn't matter what you think right now. There will come a day where you will see him and see yourself and you will fall down and you will confess. I was a fool for thinking I could be independent and have power. People that are Christian are smart because I can't fight God. Hey, you got to know your battles. You got to know when you can win and know when you can't win. You got to know when you're God and when you're not God. And I am happy to confess today I am not God, but I'm on his side and I'm submitted to him and I'm doing his will. And if he says jump, I'll say how high. If he says go left, I'll go left. If he says go right, I'll go right. I want to be on the right side of God's favor. Because either way, he's in charge. Either way, he gets what he wants. Regardless of what I feel like doing, he's still the master. And he'll let you go do whatever. Well, no, not whatever. I'm free. No, you're not. I'll do whatever I want. No, you can't. He can stop you. He can kill you. He can say, no, I'm going to paralyze your body. And it's happened to many people. Sickness has hit them. Money's run out. You can't do whatever you want away from God. You can try to do whatever you want, but you can't. Satan has been lying to people for a long time, telling them that they'd be happier if they could just escape godly authority. He's such a snake because he's got less authority now than what he had in heaven. He messed up big time. The devil messed up big time. He was one of the best, biggest angels out of heaven's armies. He was one of the most powerful ever to exist. But he was only great because he was in submission to God. And he got this thought one day that I'm tired of not having power. And guess what happened? He lost all of it. This is the lie of the devil. You'll be more powerful and you'll have more joy if you escape God's authority and do things your own way. And it is a lie. He's still the boss when you try to be the boss. Watch this. This is so cool. Revelation 20 and 1. Then, John said, I saw an angel not even a special angel, not even a cool angel with all the cool titles, just an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. A no-name janitor angel who worked in the kitchen said, I got more power than Lucifer. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Just sign me up somewhere in the church. Just let me wash the dishes. Just let me open up the doors. I've got more power in submission than the devil's got in rebellion. 
Don't you feel sorry for me? Don't you feel sorry one bit? I've got authority. I've got power. I've been my knee to God, and he blesses me with anointing and power and authority over dark spirits and devils and demons. What's this old no-name angel showing up doing? He's got power. It's not because of who he is. It's because of who he's submitted to. That no-name angel knows his place. I submit to Jehovah God. I submit to the one true God. And that's why I'm able to go wrap up that one angel. Locks him up for a thousand years. That's the kind of power we have when we stay submitted to God. Don't let him lie to you, church. Guess don't let the devil lie to you. And he talks to you, and he's talking to you. You, gotta, you just got to know this about, about the devil. He does talk to you. Yes, he does. His imps, his spirits talk to you. They'll, we are surrounded by his voices all over the world, lying to us, trying to get us to disconnect from godly authority. But you can't fight God. Do what you want. Go where you want to go. Run, hide, get mad, rebel. You will lose. If you like losing, join the losing side. Hey, I'm, I'm, I was a kid in, in dodgeball. I wanted to be on the winning side. Show me the big boys who played baseball. I want to be on their team. All right? I'm not going to be on the girl team. I'm sorry. I, I count them up. Six boys, five girls. I'm on the boy team. I want to be on the winning side. You can feel independent. You can think you're all that. You can go join whatever team you want to join. God lets you pick your team. But there is one side that's winning, and there is one side that's losing. There is one side with power, and one side that's weak. One side has all that it needs, and one side comes begging for permission. I'm going to be on the side of light. I'm going to be on the side of life. I'm going to be on the side of joy. I'm staying on God's side, and I'm ending this year with a fresh commitment that I don't care what the devil says. I'm not going anywhere. Because you can't fight God. You will never have more power and authority in this life except for when you stay submitted to the one true God. Never. And if you think that life is better outside of God, when will you learn? You are not in control. Either way. There's a satanic voice moving through the church telling people that they would be happier if they could just do things their own way. If you could just be free, if you could just be independent without strings attached to you. And you are starting to hate the voice of godly authority. You avoid talking to people who are spiritual because Satan is working over you. And his voice is so strong right now. You avoid it, you hide from it, you run from it. You don't look forward to church. You don't want to be around anything that's powerful and authority. You want to escape it because the devil's working overtime to tell you that voice is holding you back. It's a lie. You will never have more authority than when you're in submission to godly authority. I am so proud of Brother Brandon. I've been giving Brother Brandon some mentorship. And he's a different guy up here in the pulpit than he was even four months ago. My wife leaned over and said, who is that? 
I mean, we've just been going over a few things, a few, a few tips, and he is, he's just changed the way he talks in the pulpit, the way he memorized the scripture today that he, he quoted. I mean, it's just, you know why? It's not me. It's because he's hungry. It's because he's in submission. It's because he says stuff like, yes, sir. Okay, I'll get right on that, sir. Look how God's blessing someone who understands that authority comes from submission. Look how God works in people's lives that don't always have an attitude, always running away, always hiding all the time, not afraid of dealing with things. You know why? Because he's a hardworking man. And a hardworking man's not afraid to get their hands dirty. A hardworking man understands you've got to get out there and you've got to plow. You've got you to dig the ground up before you have fruit. He's not running away from challenging situations. And that's why God's anointing is on him and God's blessings are on him. Because God, it's always better when you submit to God. You have more power and more authority. So I'm hoping that, that can, we can wake up. Because it's just a lie. And when you walk out on church and you walk out on God, listen, you walk into bondage. Chains are coming in your future. You cannot choose a third option. The devil wants to tell us there's three options, Brother Andrew. There's heaven, hell, and then my own paradise. Because you know you're not going to heaven and you don't want to go to hell. You're hoping there's a third option. That's why the Catholic Church invented purgatory. Looking for a third option. Hoping for the best. There are not, two, there are not three sides in this battle. You are either in or you're out. You're either bowing your knee in submission to whatever God wants or you're not on his side. You've got to make your mind up. But I've just come to warn you and wake you up and tell you that it's always better in the church. It's always better in submission. It'll never get better outside of God's will and outside of God's plan. You may have to go try it and find out for yourself, but I'm not going. I'm not changing. I love this life. You don't understand. If you walk away from God, you're going to be bound. Bound by sin, bound by lust, bound by drugs, alcohol, hate, fear, adultery, fornication. You, you, you're going to play around with stuff and it's going to bind you up and addiction is no joke. They've got drugs out now that you can't get free of. They're so addictive. And that's the, that's the fire you're playing with whenever you decide to listen to the devil's voice. And you let him talk you out of it. You let him pull you away like he did. You're free to choose the path, but I sure hope today you shake yourself before you leave because you can't pick a third option. I'm going to say it like this. If you say no today to God, you're saying yes to hell. It is that simple. There's no third option. I mean, every second of the day, you're choosing. Every second of the service, you're choosing. There is one or two options, and you've got to understand that you can't play with fire. You've got to make sure you're staying in complete submission to God. I'm almost done. So Jesus agreed to let Satan attack Peter with limitations. And then Jesus says, but I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. You may fail, Peter. Listen to this. You may fail, but your faith won't fail. 
Thank God for that. If I fail, I'm not qualified to be used by God. Not true. Not true. Not true. If I mess up, I'm done. He'll never take me back. Not true. This is why Jesus did not say, I pray that you would not fail. He didn't say that. Because we will fail. But here's our hope. And here's why God will use us and keep anointing us and bless us. Because you did not lose your faith when you failed. You can be fallen and full of faith. You can be fallen and still have faith. When you fall and keep your faith, rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall... I shall arise. It's not about where I'm currently at. It's where I know I'm going to go. He prayed for me. I'm getting out of this. When this is over, I will be revived. I will be converted again. I will strengthen my brethren. I'm getting out. I'm coming out. I'm getting out. In the name of Jesus, I'm getting out. I've been prayed for. Jesus prayed for me that my faith would not fail. The devil wants to come in and say, look at you, look what you did. And you just remind him and say, but my faith is still intact. We're saved by faith, not works. I'm so glad that's there. You may fail, but it's okay. As long as your faith lingers, there's definitely hope for you still. You may not be performing right now, but do you have faith? You're going to be just fine. And here's how much faith Jesus had that Peter's faith would not fail. He said, when you return to me. I mean, what do you see when you see somebody struggling? Do you see them never coming back? Or do you see them coming back? Because God's eyes, he can see you making mistakes and it not defining you. Through God's eyes, he can see you make a horrible blunder. And I can't think of many things more more horrible than Peter denying that he even knows Jesus on the night he's being taken to be crucified. He said stuff like this, I never knew the man. Then he's tried to curse and cuss and act like one of the local sailors. And I don't even know, you blankety blank, I don't even know. And he just started to begin to cuss. He wanted to pretend like he didn't even know Jesus. I mean, how do you recover from that? You recover from that because... That's not who I am. That does not define me. Deep down, I have faith. In my closing today, sure enough, Peter did deny Jesus, just like Jesus said. Just like Jesus warned. Peter denied Christ three times after Jesus was taken that night. Peter went back to his old lifestyle. He began to fish again. That's what he did before Jesus found him. Peter went back to the old lifestyle, and when Jesus found him after his resurrection, Peter put on his coat and jumped in the water and swam to the shore to meet the resurrected Jesus. And there on the shore, Peter began to be converted a second time. There on the shore, three times Jesus asked if Peter loved him. And this was the first time that he point blank got asked, are you serious about me? He did not ask that question when he first signed up. He asked that question 
after he went through all hell, made the worst mistake of his life. That's when Jesus chose to probe. Do you love me? Three times he made him answer that he does love him. I think it's interesting that he asked them three times, probably once for each denial, to give him a second chance to redeem his mistake. Then Jesus makes it clear that Peter would end up dying for him in the future. Peter never struggled again with this, with this faithfulness to God. Somebody say never. In fact, the Bible says that he, well, we find through history, we know through history how he died, that he was willing to be crucified upside down because he did not want to die the same way Jesus died, but he was more than willing to die. He went from struggling, denying, to dying in a very quick little moment because he simply needed his second conversion. He ended up giving his own life for the gospel. Satan lost again, just like he always does to God's faithful people. So I ask this question today, why in the world would Jesus allow Satan to attack Peter? First, you don't know who you really are until it feels like Jesus has died in your life. Been there, Brother Dale? Many of us who work in ministry have been there. Let me explain it to you. It's called the second conversion in my mind. The second conversion is your final exam. And here we are at the end of the year. It's your final exam before you move into your greatest anointing. The first conversion is very easy. It's when Jesus is doing all the miracles, signs, and wonders with Matthew. Who doesn't want to sign up to be a disciple? The first conversion is... You know, life is not good, and I think I want to walk with the miracle worker. He's giving out free food. I want to go to the fall fest. I think I'm going to join Bible study. This is fun. The first conversion, it's like not really thought through. I'm just getting in this thing. I'm just trying to find out who Jesus is. After all, everyone's doing it. He's so popular. The first conversion, whenever they first signed up, Jesus was the man. He was powerful. He was an anointed preacher. Nobody wanted to kill him in the beginning. He's doing everything amazing. Your life is like one big adventure. Who would not want to have the first conversion? It's all good. It's all sweet. Everybody in church is nice. First conversion. I came in the doors. They greeted me. They shook my hand. They got my phone number. It's all good in the beginning. Who wouldn't want to have a first conversion? You don't need money. You don't need anything because all your needs are supplied because Jesus took care of all their needs. Who wouldn't want the first conversion? Life was good in the first conversion, Peter. And you get to travel with God in flesh on a daily basis. Who wouldn't want the first conversion? It was bliss. But then, in time, things begin to shift and you realize that Jesus is not who you thought he was. He's not going to live forever. 
He's not going to overthrow Rome and make you one of his military generals. And the longer you walk with the Lord, the more revelation you have that this is not all fun and games. And the longer you walk with the Lord, you realize Jesus is stirring up a lot of trouble in the government. And the longer you walk with Jesus, you're kind of like, he's not as popular now as he was in the beginning. People are starting to leave the church. People are starting to think he's not very popular all of a sudden. In the beginning, everybody loved him, but now it's like he said some stuff that's offended some people. He called the local religious people vipers, and I'm not sure I can be around that toxic masculinity. You know what? I don't know. This is changing. Do I even know who Jesus really is? No, you don't. Not until you hang out with him for a while. You don't know the fullness of who he is until you linger, until you stay. And the longer and the closer you get to Jesus, the more you begin to see that he's saying things that are divisive and hard to endure. He's lost the majority of his disciples over just speaking. That's how fickle the crowd. If you can't handle words, you sure can't handle the cross. He's being hunted now. He's being seen as this rebel in society. He's dangerous. He's taken off his robe, his identity. And now he's putting on a towel. And now he's starting to wash people's feet like a servant. I can't follow a God like that. This is not what I thought it would be like. He's weak. He's talking about dying soon. I thought he was the Messiah. I thought he was all powerful. What's going on with this moment of my, my discipleship? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, and now he's begging for prayer partners at a late night, all night prayer meeting in the garden. I've been there before. He's praying such intense prayers. It's like great drops of blood. I've never seen him pray this way. It's like he's scared. One of his own disciples even decided to to betray him. One of his own disciples who should be vouching for him, being the greatest, is selling him out. How could we trust him if those closest to him don't like him? This is not going at all like it was in the beginning when I was so excited to go to church, when I couldn't wait to get in prayer. I couldn't wait to get my Bible out. It's starting to get difficult now for me to stay motivated. And boy, the cherry on top. Here come the local religious people to arrest him. During a prayer meeting of all times, does prayer even work? You never thought you'd run in fear. You never thought you would deny knowing Jesus. But now you're doing the thing you never dreamed that you would do. After three years of faithfulness, you don't have a clue why you're going crazy. And this is nothing like you thought you'd be. You see, you loved him when things were good. 
and there was no trouble. But your love began to be tested when all the perks were taken away. Oh, I've been here before. Anybody been there before? While the perks were stripped away? Anybody ever not had their healing and still had to show up to church? Anybody not had the check in the mail? Anybody had to eat the beanie weenies for a week? Anybody know what it's like when no one likes you and you still got to still gotta serve them? I feel the Holy Ghost. Anybody been there before when it seems like he's not there? When it seems like it's not as fun as it was in the beginning. And it seems like it's not working anymore. And it's not like it was when I first got the Holy Ghost. And I wonder why he's a thousand miles away. I thought I loved him. But you don't know you love something until it becomes a liability. Until it takes all the fun out of it. Until you get nothing out of it for you. That's when you finally have to pose the question, do I love him for real? Or do I just love what he does for me? Or do I just love the status and the position? Do I just love seeing on the platform? I just love that I get used. I just love that I have friends at church. I'm here for the wrong reasons. And you don't even know if you're really in this thing until you're tested, until the devil strips it all away like Job and says, you've got nothing now. Will you worship him? He's done. He's gone. He's buried in the grave. Now what will you do? Do you still have faith now? We've all been there, and if you're not there, you're going to be there one day. Where you're going to have the rug pulled out from underneath you. You're going to wonder why you're struggling so bad after all that you know about God. It's because you've got to pass this final exam. You've got to get to the place where you'll serve him even if he's not even close anymore. Even if you wonder where he's at in dark seasons, in midnight hours. You've got to learn that your faith holds everything together. When you don't know what he's doing, you don't know where he's at. You don't know what he's up to. tell you what God's doing while you're fighting. Let me tell you what God's doing while you're struggling. The Bible says that he went and got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. While you're going through hell fighting the devil, he's right there with you. While you're there fighting the devil, he's over at his house taking over his kingdom and dominion. You are not alone. I give him permission to leave me if I get that kind of authority. I'm not going to be mad at him whenever he's not around because he's working for my good. I'm not going to be mad when I haven't heard from him in quite a while because I know that by faith my God's up to something good. He's on a mission for my good. He's on a mission to bless me. I refuse to give up in my lonely hours when I know my God is faithful. It's time for someone in this place today to get your second conversion. This time, listen, you're not following Jesus because it's exciting. This time, you are not serving God because you get free meals. Because it's popular. Because everybody's doing it. This time, you're doing it because you love
I wish, I wish we could love him in the beginning. I wish that the first time you come to church, you really did love him, but you didn't. You said you did, but you don't. It takes a while before you really love God. Fear not, church family. You may be struggling. You may be failing. The devil may have you in the corner. And you don't know what's wrong with you. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. You're you're on a path of double anointing. Out of all the people that God could have picked to let the devil attack them, he picked Peter. John, the beloved, had his, his head on the chest of Jesus every waking moment. He was so faithful. He was so loving. But Peter was this hothead. He had this hippie, independent spirit. I'll do what I want to do. And out of all the disciples, why in the world would Peter be the one to have to attack? Peter, when you're done, you're a natural leader. And you're going to have to go through this, not just so that you can know that you love me, but you've got a lot of brothers who were scared to death. And when you're converted, when you come back to me, strengthen your brothers. The first man to preach in the church, the first man to preach the gospel message of Acts chapter 2 and 38 was Peter, not John. Because there's some things you can't get always feeling the love of God. There's some sympathies you can't understand. There's some empathy you can't get until you've been broken. Some of us are going to go through hell. And it's not to destroy you. It's because God sees a massive, powerful, apostolic minister in you. And you've got to conquer this question. John, we know you love him. Peter, we're not sure. John, it's clear you love him. Okay. Peter, you talk a lot. Peter, are you all talk, Peter? Are you all talk? Are you just here for your own motivation, Peter? You need to know for yourself. I love him. I love him. I would die for him. He gave his life for me. I'll give my life for him. It's time for someone in church today to have a second renewal in the Holy Ghost where you let him bring you in post-resurrection and say, okay, how about now? Do you still love me now? You're going through all kinds of hell. You don't think I'm there, but do you still love me? You're wondering when things will get better and it's not better, but do you still love me? You've got to pass this test. Because it's either satanic or holy. I wish I could tell you there's a third option, but if you don't survive it, the devil gets you. I wish I could tell you you could just choose the third one, but you can't. Losing this test puts you in hell. Passing this test gives you a love for God. 
eternal salvation. You can't fight this decision, church family. You either come to the front and say, I still love you. Or you choose to live out your days in misery, still not in control or have authority of your life. Where are the Simon Peters at? Let's close our eyes and come to the front whenever you feel it. Where are those that have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this? Where are those who, who are going through a season right now where it's kind of like, I should not be struggling. But it's meant to be. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. But I love you, Jesus. <laughs> come on. Jesus set up a little fire on the shore, and he began to cook some fish for Peter, and he began to cook for him and supply his needs. And Peter came in soaking wet from the water. He's fully clothed. He sat down at the beach, and Jesus said, Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than, than this, this fish? Do you love me more than your occupation? Do you love me more than your old life? And he had to say, You know I love you. You've got to pass the test. Are you in church just for friends? Just because it's tradition? Or do you really love God? God, I pray for the faith of the church right now that it would not fail during seasons of darkness. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for the faith of the church and the members of the church, God, that when it seems like you're a million miles away and it seems like you've been taken and it seems like you've got no power and it seems like there's no hope, I pray in the name of Jesus that faith would not fail across our church and that people would endure every attack from the devil and know that God is coming back, that Jesus is coming back in all authority and all power with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. 